This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 273, brought to you by C2E2, graphically, and iFanboy listeners just like you. You and me, you and me, nobody baby but you and me. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode number 273. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And filling in for the missing in action, Josh Flanagan is iFanboy staff writer and my close personal friend, Mike. <laughs> Why, hello. Mike, it's been, so, it's been so long since we've been together. Well, the last time we did, I was on the show was with, the, with our motley group of writers, so it has actually been a while. And I must say I'm really happy that Tom Caters hasn't been a guest on the show for like a while because – it's really he's a really hard act to follow. He's a very hard act to follow, actually. Yeah, yeah. Connor and I were just discussing that. Yeah. Why is he so funny? It's it's stop not, it. It's not even fair. It's not even no. fair. Anyway. So yeah. 
So it's good to have you here, Mike. Thanks for filling in. Thank you. Fresh. Glad um, to be here. We are all from the website ifanboy.com, which is all about comic books. Uh, we live and breathe and eat and sleep comic books. And every week we go to the comic book store on Wednesday and we buy our stack of books. And one of us goes back home and reads them all and then finds the one that he deems is the pick of the week and writes a review of it up on ifanboy.com. And we come back here and we talk about that as well as the other comics that came out this week, as well as comics that you all, listeners, enjoyed and that sort of thing and talk about comic booky things. Um, before we get to the show, though, a quick uh, reminder and a warning. We're going to talk about what happens in the books, the events that have unfolded. So if you have not read your comic books yet, Mike Romo, you might want to um, – you might want to <laughs> – you might want to step away, come back, and then listen to the show later on so you don't get anything spoiled or ruined. Um, and I'm teasing Mike. So, uh, I read most of them. Most of them. <laughs> so this week, this week, Connor had the very difficult task of the pick of the week as it seems as if every comic book came out this week. This was a Marvel dump week. Yep. One of our uh, – they dumped their product on the shelves and had 23 or 24 books, something See, like and that. That's the thing. And, that we, and we were talking about this on Wednesday and it's really bad – I think it's bad practice because it's, it's – bad. I think it's bad for business. Yeah, because if you, if you stand in a retail store and watch people on weeks like this, they actually don't buy other books because they have to buy the books that they subscribe to like this. Yeah. And they look angry. Yes. You know, they're exactly. like, oh, really? Yeah, exactly. It just it throws everything off. It's not good. They should spay. Like, we're going to get to it a little later on, but I think every X-Men title came out this week. Which it's is no good. If you're an X-Men yeah. fan and you feel like you buy all those books, then suddenly you're buying eight books just for X-Men books. And then yeah. what are you going to do for the rest of your weekly budget? It's exactly. Just, we'll you know. get to that a little later on. But so, right. so how did you get through this stack and find the pick of the week? Well, the good, the good news is there's a lot of really good stuff, which is good on the one hand and bad on the other because usually that makes it hard to pick the pick of the week. But this week... I finished Fantastic Four 588, and if you're, if you're playing at home, 587 was also the pick of the week. Yes, what was it, three weeks ago? Yeah. Yes. Yep. I finished 588, and I went, oh, crap, it's going to be the pick again. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. was, there was just no arguing, in my, in my opinion. And the thing is, this is a, Jonathan Hickman's a writer. He's had three of the nine this year. Jeez. Really? <laughs> three of the last five. Well, last weeks was my pick with Shield, and then yeah, right. and then three weeks before that was Fantastic Four. Or I five think three of the last four yeah. or three of the last five have been Hickman's books. He's on a roll, I think. Yeah. Um. So last issue that Ron picked was the Death of the Human Torch, the big much ballyhooed, polybagged, CNN spoiled uh, Death of the Human Torch, in which he goes down as a hero in the face of Annihilus and the and the Annihilus invasion. And in this issue, we pick up right from where we leave off. The uh, the rest of his team has gone back through the portal and 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 now realize what has happened, right as the re- right as the, right as the re- reinforcements arrive in, in the form of the Avengers, and um, one thing I noticed right away. First of all, you open the book and it's not Steve Epting, the regular artist. It's Nick Dragota, who I'm not I'm very familiar with. He's been around a while, did a lot of work, but I haven't read a lot of his. Well, work. well, here's the thing about Nick Dragota is that we talked about him years ago. In that he did the art for that Age of the Century book for Marvel, that really retro century book. Yes. And if you recall, this had to be at least four years ago. We were like, this art is really good. Like he had a real kind of retro kind of look and feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I think he does like I think he does like illustrate like commercial illustration and work stuff like that. I don't think he's not. A, I don't believe he's a regular comic book artist. But right. he, for some reason, he's back and. Not and we'll talk about it, but he killed it in this issue. But like I know there's some other stuff he's doing for Marvel that's coming up that I've seen. I've been lucky enough to see the art, and it's 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 fa- really good. Like we're going to be talking about Nick Dragota, I think, a lot this year, hopefully. And so. and what a way to come back on the scene with a fully silent first part of the issue. Really, oh, I mean, the whole yes. thing is silent. It's just like to see Hickman work with an artist he hasn't worked with before and be able to tell a story like this really so wonderfully and such good facial acting and such good camera work and wonderful, what a great way to end it with a sort of throwback to the sort of the Kirby stylings yep. with some of the shading and the action. So it's like, I thought he was like one of those old school people that took six months to write a comic, to draw a comic book, but apparently you guys are saying that he's somewhat modern? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's new. awesome. Yeah. He's, he's new? But- what, well, not new, but he's he's the young. He's not a, he's not like Joe Kubert. Um, no, no, yeah, no. He's a, he's our age. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a normal guy. I mean, you know, ah, yeah. so so frustrating when people. <laughs> one, one thing you notice is that, as, as Mike said, there's a very Kirby-ish feel yes. to the to his figures and his faces. And as also Mike said, this is a silent issue. This is the story. The story is called Month of Mourning, and it is literally the month after Human Torch's death. And you you figure out right away that it, it's a silent issue. Yeah. And Hickman is telling his whole story through the art, and you really need a great artist to do that. Nick Dragota is a great artist. He tell his facial expressions were so powerful 
the look on Sue's face when she realized what's and, happened. Oh, that was that you, that was that was the moment. No, that was the moment. Crushing. Well, no, no. Actually, honestly, the moment that I knew I was in for it was the second page when the Avengers arrive and the second panel on the second page when uh, the thing looks up at them. Yes. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to be brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. Well, the, and then Sue's Sue's mourning in her room by herself, and she's blocking everyone off with a sphere so no one can get near her. Well, that um, wonderful thing with like Reed's finger going all the way around yes, that sphere. Oh, that effect. was just yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, Reed considering using the ultimate nullifier, him, him confronting Annihilus, who holds up Johnny's ragged uniform, which is just which is just mean. Um, <laughs> the thing sitting during the during the the, the uh, wake in in the back, not really not acknowledging anybody. The funeral. Um. Uh, then the, the what what really got me the scene in the middle, which really cemented it, was the um the the kids Valeria and Franklin, and then they're all their the what is that team called again? The, the Future Foundation. Future Foundation kids who are allowed to be the team. Uh, they're having their lesson, and and the to do list is like uh, five potential replacements for the team, and she's got a list of people, and then she wipes it away and replaces it with Kill Annihilus with this look on her face that is frankly chilling. Yes. Rough. Yeah. Um, the, that's when I knew this was going to be the pick. But then the, really the next scene that was I think my favorite was. The thing meets up with Thor and the Hulk, or Donald Blake and Bruce Banner, and you can tell he's going through the rage portion of grief. Yeah, and he just unloads on them. They start fighting, and then he, you know, they're letting him do it because he's in he's in he's in grief, and he just starts pounding on the Hulk's chest and slowly sort of collapses to the ground. And Thor starts crying. That I was like, okay, this is no. Hickman, that, Hickman's constantly ripping my heart out, putting yeah. it back in, ripping it out, putting it back in, and then and then moving along to day twenty nine with Reed sitting there, unshaven Reed in front of his computer and of all the things that they need to do, like yep. and just and like you could see how just tired and just and so Kirby Kirby esque, like so, and then you know, and just very simply you know turn the page and and we're off to the races with the next story arc. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. then Reed's father returns, and you get a bit of dialogue. And then there's a backup st- or a co-feature or second backup. story, whatever you yeah. want to call it. A backup um, interlude where it expands the Spider-Man Franklin scene that we see in the middle, where Spider-Man lands next to Franklin on the top of the building. And this is an actual full-on story with dialogue from Hickman and artist Mark Brooks. And what was really great about this story, and this really enhanced and cemented the whole pick of the week, was that Franklin just lost his uncle. Spider-Man's yep. entire being is he lost his uncle. And I, I didn't realize that until about halfway through yep, this totally. story. The, the parallel, because you just don't think of Uncle I mean, even Uncle Ben, you just, I just, it's not fresh in my mind that he's the uncle. And in the middle of this, so you've got two people basically commiserating over their lost uncles yep. in a very sort of heartfelt way. And uh, this, I mean, this, this, is, this is to me the great thing about comics and serial storytelling is when you get to know these characters – when there is true emotional fallout. Now, look, Human Torch will be back us live at some point in the future. I'm not unaware of that. But as a comic reader, in order to enjoy these things, you kind of have to put yourself in a weird mental place where <laughs> yeah. you have to live dead. in the moment of the story. He's dead right now. Yeah. yeah. Even though I know in the future he'll be back in, in the now, he's dead. So I deal with that reality. And in, the, in, in that, to me, yeah, there was, no, there was not a single punch throw in this issue. There was no, no one was blown up. But this is the payoff. And to me, the payoff is always more interesting than the actual act itself. Like Johnny dying was a really fun scene, great. But to me, the actual meat of the story, what I really enjoyed was this issue, 588, yeah. where you, you know, it's, it's the emotion. You, you're, you're, we're tied to these characters for decades. And so we have, to have the, we have to have that connection to them. They can't just always be fighting Dr. Doom. They it's have it's, it's an emotional resonance thing that yes. happens where you've got to, you know, I mean, the thing is that like, like you said, Johnny died, it happened. But like this issue made you feel it. Yes, you know, and that's such a that's such a subtle and yet powerful thing. That's amazing that that you know, with no words, the Hickman and Dragota were able to do that. I give them a lot of credit for doing going the no words route, and I think it's I think it was better because. Well, how could you write words to this? Exactly, you can yeah. you can you can put your own words in. You can take up you can take upon your own experiences, and you can fill in the blanks. And it's going to be and as as weird as it is, it's going to be more powerful than anything Hickman could have written. Is yeah. what you what you can put in your own head. What's interesting is back in the day when sound first came into movies, Chaplin and a lot of the other directors were thought film was over. Like that there would be no way that talkies could convey the kind of emotion that a silent film could. They could it couldn't tell the same kind of story emotionally that a silent film could. And obviously we've never had silent comics, but <laughs> it, it reminded me of that where like if you, you get to linger on these pages, a lot of time when there's a lot of text, you're you almost jumping it. from bubble to bubble and you're not even absorbing the moment. That the artist worked so hard on. And so, kudos. I mean, the thing is, like, we lost Bruce Wayne a couple of years ago, and I never felt this kind of – Johnny's a totally different character. I get it. But this kind of memorial uh, was really, really fitting. 
Although I would never let my 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 nephew be a or son be babysat by Peter Parker, because he's just <laughs> hanging there under. This well, keep in mind the keep in story. mind keep in mind the kid was sitting on the edge of the top of their skyscraper. Well, now he's hanging from it. I know, but still, but well, yeah, well, no, he's also he's, lending him money to buy a hot dog. Yeah, true. Sure, that, that was funny. Great. That made me laugh. That was hilarious. Even that though was, that was a nice tension breaker. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. What's great is watching Peter with kids. Yeah. Like he really gets kids. He's he's been a teacher. He really knows how to like talk to them as adults. And it was a really great counterpoint, just to because when he in the first part when he came up in silent, I was really frustrated. Oh, that's all we're going to see. And I, I was really surprised by this uncle's uh, side story. I thought it was a really great way to balance out the tension and and tell another story. And that you're right, uh, Connor. I didn't even realize the whole uncle thing until the midway through. And uh, even the last line, his name was Ben. I was like, whoa, yeah. that was that was it was great. It so was that was the next week. And this is a good segue into what was a very strong contender. Actually, it wasn't. I'll be honest. I finished Fantastic Four. I knew that was the pick of the week. I still had a lot of books to go. I read, I read Amazing Spider-Man right afterwards, which was an interesting. Well, dude, that, oh, that's dude. I wonder if you if you'd read Amazing Spider-Man first, whether. No, and yeah. I'll tell you, there's, there's specific reasons why okay. Fantastic Four was the pick and not Amazing Spider-Man. Because Amazing Spider-Man 655 was f- Amazing! It was fantastic. In any other incredible. in any other week, yeah. When Fantastic Four doesn't come out, this is this is this is probably the pick of the week. What's interesting is now we had a death in the last issue of Spider Man too, or I guess we don't cut the point one issue in the last regular yeah. issue. JJ yeah. Jameson's wife died, yep. and so now we have the fallout from that in its own silent scenario. It wasn't the whole issue; it was half like of it. Half the issue, half of it. Yeah, the first third, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, they're doing this for they're doing this again. Yeah, I read I read this right after Fantastic Four. Yeah, and I was like, man, it was just it was really heavy. And I gotta say, I mean, this is not not to be too flip about it, but this has been a very heavy week period in yeah. comics. Yeah, yeah. and uh, these after what happened with uh, Dwayne McDuffie's death this week, and then all of these comics coming out. I mean, it was it was pretty heavy. Like um, I was just thinking about all the people that have lost somebody, and both of these comics really really uh, resonated. Oh yeah, yeah to- totally. Uh, it yeah. was intense, actually. It was- yeah, and uh, again, again, I think Ama- Amazing Spider-Man becomes Amazing Spider-Man six sixty five. It was hyped up a lot by Dan Slott. We, we, you know, we uh, he talked to John Suntress on Word Balloon, and it was like a good hour talking just about this issue. And really? and Slott was saying this is his favorite issue he's ever done in his career, which I can understand why because. What I thought what was so compelling, what was great about this issue was that you have the first third, which is the, which is completely silent, and it shows everyone going um, the day of J. Jonah Jameson's wife, Marla Jameson's funeral. And, yeah. you know, it just starts with this sh- sh- striking silent scene of J. Jonah waking up, like, in you know, in a half-empty bed and, mm. like, going through the motions and Peter getting ready and – and basically, Marcos Martin just killed it with this first third period. Ridiculous. Like, if, yeah. if they had ended it after the sequence, it, this still would have been an amazing um, issue, purely for, like, the, the two-page spread with the church, yep. and then the, the two-page spread of... of uh, the church, coffin. The coffin, yeah. And then, mm. and then the, the, the half, um, the, the, the anti-symmetrical two panels next to the coffin with J.J. Yeah. half his face, you know? Um, and just, like, if they had just... If, it, if that was the issue, it would have been great. But then what happens is that then it's that night... And we get we get a glimpse into Peter's psyche, into a fever dream he's having of being haunted by these deaths and being haunted by the, everyone around him uh, getting hurt. You know, beginning with a you know a, a great, di- very Ditko spiral, mm-hmm. se- you know, spiral sequence. You know, Spider Man leading into Uncle Ben, and then you get like which is just a crazy, crazy a fever dream is the only way to describe it, but. Um, Totally stroll down Spider-Man history lane, you know, culminating in what might be one of the best double-page spreads I've seen in a Spider-Man book. With that, you know, the again with the Marcos Martin crazy angles uh, storytelling method, where you can see it going from the upper left across the top to the right, then back down around, and yeah. so many characters and so many little points from Spider-Man's history that for a real Spider-Man fan, this is this has got to be a treat. I mean, this is you know for the die-hard die-hard Spider, like for someone who's into Spider-Man, like I'm into X-Men, this has yeah. got to be like one of those mind-blowing issues. I mean, it blew, I always, it blew my mind. You know, I always have a weird relationship to dreams whenever they're in a form of media because it's like yeah. what's real, what's not. But like, I think. If any other artist wouldn't have been as successful as Martine here, if yep. you see the blood red pages of the whole Green Goblin and Gwen Stacy scene, um, and the way he uses the palette, and it's just really bold. It's like those hardcore images in your worst nightmares that just sort of stick with you. Like yep. these pages, there, there's so many two page and one page spreads here. 
understand that you're just you you you're affected by it. It's, there's an impact by this art, even though you can argue that's kind of simplistic. It sort of resonates in your soul a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I would never, I would never believe that in a two-page spread where we have, you know, both, you know, um, you know, Gwen Stacy and like important yeah. people to Spider-Man, as well as the Spider Dune buggy and you know Ben Riley Scarlet Spider, you know, and 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 Ezekiel, and still take it seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that—that's what I think is amazing. But then, and when Slot in the interview with with Sumtress, and when I talked to him on don't you know on the fanboy don't miss, he he kept on referring to he's like I play a card that I can only play once, and I played it here, and and I was so curious as to what that card was going to be, and you know it's bringing back the one woman that Spider Man killed in his career. Um, so good, and, you know, you know, which I think a lot of fans don't even know about, and then immediately following that with Broken Neck Gwen. I was just like, oh god, this is this is murder. This is like brutal. Um, and it basically it, it wraps up with you know Spider Man waking up and then vowing that no one you know no one will die on his watch again. You know, and which is you know a great motivation for where the character is. And then it's immediately you know juxtaposed by a new villain who kills somebody. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I really I really like where this puts Spider Man now in the status quo and where the story can go. And I just thought this issue was possibly one of the best Spider Man issues of the years. I mean, of the past year. I mean, I thought it was really powerful. It's a love letter to everything that's Spider Man. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 who knew that we could have such affection for J. Jonah Jameson? Like just in the past two years, his arc, his character has changed so much. And for me, just like seeing him wide awake at seven in the morning with the, his wife's side of the bed perfectly made, it's like, it just, it doesn't really get any better than this. I was really, the, the scene, you know, very quickly, the scene where in the dream, his parents turned toward him and they have no face because they're gone from his memory. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this, it's great. You could reread this over and over again and you'd, you'd find something amazing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I think is amazing about both Fantastic Four, 588, and Amazing Spider-Man 655 is that I think I read them three times the, one Wednesday night. Like yeah. I read the issues, I read through the rest of my stack, then I went back and I just and I just looked at the pages and I put them down and then I found myself going back to them and just and soaking in soaking in more nuance and moments that and that you know that's it, I got my three ninety nine and two ninety nine worth. I oh, know they're yeah. both three ninety nine. Ouch, really? <laughs> totally, it was an expensive week. Yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, they're they're great. And and so you know, Connor, I can see where you come from in terms of picking fantastic. Well, four, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to denigrate Spider Man by mm-hmm. saying why. I mean, just I thought the emotion was stronger in Fantastic Four. Yeah, I thought it was more real. Yeah, I felt more authentic. Well, and, well it was yeah. also there was more emotion. I mean, like the the, the Spider Man emotion, you had that mourning feeling, but it was only the first third of the book. Of course, yeah. Well, the second think, two-thirds was like that psyche, you know, deep in Peter's head. So, I, think, yeah. I think editorially, I think you Marvel would have done well to have spaced these issues out a little bit. Well, just to, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. That's a, you no, know, I, I agree with you. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said about Marvel's uh, editorial scheduling department, uh, as we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on. Yeah, moving on. So um, right now, I, I think you know some other people have been saying some of this, but if you can go to your comic book store and go dig up who is Jake Ellis number one and number two, which came out this past Wednesday, do yourself a favor and do that, because this five-issue miniseries is shaping up to be one of the hidden gems of 2011. Like, this is one of the best comic books I've read in a long time. So what is, who is? So basically the premise is, is that we get introduced, in the first issue we got introduced to the, to the character, um, and I don't even know the main character's name. I forget his name. Oh, I think it's like, really? it's, it's not Jake Ellis. It's like John or something like that. It's John um, Ellis? No, no. War- it's, Warren Ellis. No, stop. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to look to see, there's no recap page, but I'm trying to look to see who it is. Um, oh yeah, the character's name is John, J-O-N. And basically it's a very thriller, espionage, intrigue kind of story with a touch of like the Bourne identity, kind of like those kind of things, even though I've never seen those movies, but from what I understand they are, what they are. Um, they're good, they're good movies. Yeah, we get introduced to this character, John, who is in, you know, he's in Europe and you get the feeling that he's either, he's either a spy or there's something going on. And he has like this handler named Jake Ellis who is in his head and only he sees and hears. And Jake Ellis is telling him like he you know something goes down he needs to get out he's like okay go down that hallway the door on the the third door on the right is unlocked go through that door okay there grab the car keys get in that car and go west and like it's kind of like this handler thing but it's inside his head and you spent a lot of the first issue trying to figure out trying to understand what what exactly is going on 
Second issue gives us a little more insight into that. What came out this week, we find out that this uh, character John um, he runs into some. He's in Europe and he gets arrested in uh, in France. And apparently, the U.S. are coming to pick him up, and and U.S. you know people are coming to take you know take uh, custody of him. And he breaks out and he actually you know he steals a van and gets one of the the U.S. guys. And he says the U.S. guy says you're a CIA agent. Something went wrong. We need to bring you back in. Like that sort of thing. Of course, he's skeptical, and Jake Ellis is telling him, "Don't believe him. Let's just run." let's just go and you know you get the idea that maybe he was a CIA agent and they did something to his head and now it's you know it's 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 uh you know working against them or something like that still a lot of questions you don't know what's going on but it is so engaging it's written by Nathan Edmondson and the art the artist by Tanchi uh Tanchi Zanjik who I've never I, I don't think I've ever read any work he's done before um but the art is great I mean, very like darker, you know, darker hues, um, very image style uh, in terms of that. Um, uh, you know, it actually kind of it reminds me of someone, and I can't actually remember who it does. I, while I was reading, I'm like, oh, this does actually remind me of somebody's art, but I can't recall. Um, and it just, it just, it, it like after I read the first issue, I was like, when does the second issue come out? Like, this is fantastic. So um, definitely a, a bit of a sleeper pick in terms of you know, I don't know if it got a lot of press before it can't, you know, as it was solicited, but this, you know, like Connor, I think you would love this. Like, yes. the trade no, I have, I have no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, almost to the point where I say go get the issues because like that's how good it is. Yeah. You know, and it's a five issue miniseries, so it's not like it's going to get canceled. Like they're committed to these five issues. Um, but it's really, really good. Like, you know, car chases, guns, you know, running through chateaus in France. I mean, it's got that very kind of, you know, um, right up your alley, Connor. International yeah. spy story. Exactly. Love that. Yeah. International spy story with something weird going on with the main character and this guy in his head. And you don't quite, you don't quite know, you know. Um, the art has a little bit of like a Mike Allred kind of feel, actually. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, not as, you know, like a, a, a more muter noir kind of uh, Allred, I think, so. Um, wow, sounds great. Yeah, really, really good. Really good. Um, sticking on with the indie books, though, and this is going to be really brief because, uh, Connor, I know you're, you're reading this in trade, but um, Echo number 28 came out this week. Yeah. And um, Mike, do you read Echo? or? I started it, and okay. then I'm just going to read it. All right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but, uh, you know, but I'm going to say, yes, it's really good. Yes, it's still on schedule. Yes, it's fantastic. And, oh, remember that in issue 26 when I freaked out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah are, are you satisfied? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, from I mean, the book. I mean, all I'm gonna. Oh yeah, the book is fantastic. The book it's is a fantastic. great book. But all I gotta say. <laughs> oh, is, I know, and I love the book. But that's yeah, no. But all I gotta say is the reason why I screened was because there was speculation as to whether or not this book would be linked to Strangers in Paradise, and turns right. out it, it is. That we, um, we, we, we well, no, I'm not saying how or why, but um, <laughs> I gave the spoiler warning. I warned you. Um, no, but we, we the, the, for for three pages. We get a character that we first were introduced to in Strangers of Paradise only for three pages. I don't think it's a main, you know, like I think it was just a piece of the puzzle of the greater Echo story. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just happens to be that this person is working with another person and that and that's it. But it's just like I went, oh, my God, they're related. It's the same universe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the continuity nerd in me screamed. So it was, um, yeah, so. It'll be I'll, I'll, Connor when you catch up on trade. I'll, I'll definitely. Yeah, I really every time the trade comes out, I, I remember how just wonderful Echo is. Oh, it's it's such a great book. The art is so good. It's just it's like one of those books that I, I think the schedule had messed up or I missed my shop did had missed a bunch of issues. Well, there's something weird going on with the shipping because there are times where I get the issue and Josh. It and goes it goes and... to the West Coast one week and the week yeah. after it goes to the East Coast. It's messed up. Yeah. Oh. Yes, I was. I was suddenly like four behind. I'm like, well, I'll just wait. And it's, isn't it ending soon? Uh, I think it's ending at like 36. So I'll just get the. I'll get the big one. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, actually, this this week was a big week for great art. Oh man, you're not uh, kidding. Between uh, Fantastic Four and Spider Man and Echo, and you had Bachelo and an X Men book and Arm Guerra, and you had you had good and Ryan Kelly, Franco Villa. This is the first issue of Francisco Franco Villa. Um, Originally, he, he was drawing the Gordon backup in Detective Comics. We're talking about Detective Comics 874. And then they, DC got rid of the backups. So instead of junking that story, which is going to tie into the main story um, of Detective, he, he was writing you know, a main and a backup that tied together. They, they stuck the backups, remaining backups into this issue. So in this issue, we have two stories. The first story is James Gordon talking to his son, who we haven't seen since the, um, Batman Year One. We've right. sort of forgotten about. He was the one that got tossed off the bridge that Batman had to jump and save. And uh, he is a psychopath. And, yeah. Very, and very legitimately a psychopath. So rad. He's so creepy just the way he talks. He is Gordon's secret shame in that his son is a psychopath and he's been hiding him away. And 
this they meet in a diner and what this issue this the first half of this issue is all about building tension and they are talking and he the son makes a joke about how he while Gordon was on the phone with Barbara he killed the waitress and stuffed her head in the men's room toilet <laughs> and he, Gordon looks over at the door of the men's room and there's nothing weird looking so he goes back to the conversation but in the background we start, start to see water seeping out of the door and it slowly builds as the conversation goes the puddle gets deeper and deeper and you're just thinking oh god is there a head in the toilet yeah um, and then the conversation is over, and Gordon Gordon is now sees the water and runs over and finds that the, there was no head; it's just a bunch of to- toilet paper stuck in the sink. But he that's him messing with his father's head. And basically, what comes what comes out of this conversation is James Gordon is crazy. He's a psychopath, and he's going to be a big problem for Dick Grayson. And that's yeah. that's 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 pretty much what we're going to get. It's the mirror image: the sons, you know, James's son and Bruce's son. Grew up, and they're sort of retconning him back in. They, you know, they said that you know, as kids, Dick always hated you. Right. So uh, they're sort of retconning it back in, but now they're making sort of a mirror image uh, bad guy. And then the second half of the story is Bruce, uh, not Bruce, Dick and and, and uh, Red Robin, Tim. There's too many. <laughs> they're all in the same costume. We'll too, many yeah. Yeah. too many Batman. Too many Batman. Um, yeah. They're on a on just like a sort of a routine mission, but the whole point is sort of that Dick Dick is still messed up from his last mission where he was gassed and and he's a little bit off his game and. Uh, just to put the art, the Francisco Franco. That's the story art. here is the art. I mean, you know, well, you get, you know, Snyder really gets the tone of these characters. He writes a great Commissioner Gordon, but like, there are some, there's a two page spread. The one I'm looking at is the, the middle spread, which is a big fight scene. And there's the Batman logo, kind of, it's sort of like J.H. Williams a little bit, yep. but it's, it's much thicker lines. And the, the uh, the palette, like especially in the beginning with the really deep reds and greens, and there's probably some browns in there, but I'm kind of colorblind. Uh, it's like it's just so bold, and and I love that Frank. What Frank Francesco? I'll just call him. Frank. He got to do the cover too, and it was just like such a great way to introduce these people to a full issue of his really, really rather spectacular well, art. The amazing thing is he he pencils, inks, and colors it. It's unbelievable. I, I think it's clear that he does that. There's a there's an attention to the way he does the thickness of the lines and, and the way he's inking it, it's just like, it's obviously one person. It's just like, unless you get Dave Stewart to do it, you know, it's like, it's, there's such a, a semblance of line, color, and ink that uh, really flows so nicely. And there's some wonderful sort of great backgrounds, like the, the very last page, the silhouette of Commissioner Gordon's son, James Jr., within it, is Commissioner Gordon looking out, and then there's you know the bottle of whiskey. That's a great page. Yeah, it's just it's, and it's like of unsolved cases, which you assume are his sons because they go back in time. Exactly, you know? exactly. So, uh, it's like Mark to get Marcos Martin and Franco Villa in one week is just like that's a super treat. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a good book. So talk about a super treat. I don't know if it was a good week or an awful week for X-Men fans. So just, <laughs> just listen, listen to this. So shipping this past week. So Astonishing X-Men, after now that Ellis and Carrie Andrews' miniseries is done, they've returned to Astonishing X-Men's original numbering, and number 36 came out. Random. Oh. Daniel Way wrote that. I didn't buy it on principle. Um, Remember when that book was special when it yes, came out? Yeah, like now it was Daniel Way's writing it. Now, yeah, it's, now. now it's like an afterthought. Exactly. Yeah. So then uh, um, Adjectiveless X-Men came out, which continued the Gishler, uh, Bocciolo, Spider, X-Men, Spider-Man, and New York story, which was great. It was fun. And, and Bocciolo's killing it, by the way. Oh, yeah. That art is amazing. Um, then over on um, Uncanny X-Men came out, and uh, they continued the quarantine storyline, and, and which I'm actually enjoying the storyline. I'm just hating Greg Land's art. Um, And then in addition to those three, we also had uh, X-Men Legacy number 245 and New Mutants number 22 come out, which both are the first two chapters of the Age of X like mini event. So five fucking comic books came out for X-Men fans. Like how do you – Everything but but X Force, right? Yeah, everything uh, but Uncanny X Force came out pretty much, and X Factor. X Factor, yeah, X Factor didn't come out this week. So those those are the only two books that didn't ship. It's it's ridiculous. But what I want to talk about real briefly is um, uh, X Men Legacy and New Mutants with this Age of X event, which I was a little lukewarm on with the Alpha issue, but now with these first two chapters, I'll, I'll admit I'm 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 enjoying it. It's 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 a it's although it is a bit of a rehash of Age of Apocalypse. It's just what's that, the premise of it? The the premise is that we don't know. We, we were thrown into this. We don't know what the schism was, but somewhere in the past. There was some sort of mutant human conflict, and now the X Men, the X characters, are holed up in the middle of it. Looks like New York City. It looks like they're in Grand Central Station, and they have this fortress. And every now and then, the humans try to attack them, and they're just you know they're they've they've uh, kind of barricaded themselves in. 
And uh, isn't uh, this is the future? No, no, it's in it's like in the, it's now, it's in the present. I mean, oh, it's, so it's, something, yeah, so it's some an alternate sort of time schism happened. It's an alternate reality. Yeah, something I happened see. in the past that changed something. And That's you know, it's a, basically the, the the intro in the first chapter was in a world where the X Men never existed and mutant kind has been hunted to extinction. A few remaining mutants band together to make their last stand. So that that typical kind of thing, but it 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 appears to be at least to me it appears as if it's taking place now, you know, in this alternate timeline. Um, and it's you know it's fun to find the characters and try to figure out who's who. And you know, like in this in this scenario, um, Sam Guthrie is like a is a field leader, and mm-hmm. Scott Summers is a unreliable, doesn't take orders, you know, wild card. So right. you know, it's kind of mixing it up. You know, Wolverine's been depowered, and he's the bartender in in, in their fortress, and that's all he does. You know, and so um, uh, Magneto is their leader, and you know little things like that, and like little different changes and, and here and there. But it, but as an X Men fan, it's fun. I mean, like it. I, I like those alternate timeline exactly. stories. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. fun. It's, totally, fun it's totally Elseworlds. It's totally Elseworlds, Elseworlds thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of some of the art direction, some of the costume designs. You know, like Gambit's costume isn't very like. There's not much of it. It's just this gray bodysuit, which is kind of weird. But. Um, uh, but here and there, there are glimmers of like, okay, cool, this could be fun. So um, where I was skeptical, now I'm kind of like, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Does so. Gamba do luge? No. <laughs> oh, man. It'd be a twist, though. Yeah. I got to go to luge, guys. What's, what's interesting about Cy- what we found out in the, in the, in the alpha, alpha issue is that Cyclops is fascinating because he was held captive and he was used by Arcade in Alcatraz to execute prisoners. Like they had him all strapped down, and they would just uncover his eyes, and that would in front of the prisoner who had the death penalty, and so that's why he's like hard edged, and he doesn't mind killing and that sort of thing, and he's got this mask, and when he shoots his eye beams, the mask opens up, and that's what it, what lets out the eye beams. It's like interesting to rethink these characters. That's yeah, a really um, that's a really great idea because yeah. he would see the the prisoner's last look yeah, before exactly. they die each yeah, time. So yeah, that's totally. actually pretty pretty cool. Yeah, but I don't like the design of the mask. So, but yeah, what are you gonna do? So. Write a letter. Write a letter to the editor. I should write a letter. Yeah, no, that's yeah. DC. They're taking letters. So. Oh, they are. <laughs> hey, kids. The Chicago Comic Entertainment Expo is coming. It's also called C2E2. It's coming back to downtown Chicago March 18th through the 20th, which is not very long at all. This year, they're at the West Building of McCormick Place in downtown Chicago, which is the much more fan-friendly layout than last time. Special guests include Brian Michael Bendis, Adam Hughes, Ben Templesmith, Gene Ha, Cliff Chang, Mahmoud Asrar, Paul Cornell, Mike Norton, Scotty Young, Scott Snyder, and tons and tons of more great creators. C2 will be making more announcements with more special guests leading up to the con. We've got another month to go. Speaking of announcements, I just, I just, checked, uh, I just checked to see if there's any new announcements. Yep. And not only have they announced, um, in addition to, we talked about last week, Elijah Dushku and Rick Bayless, but yep. they've announced Patton Oswalt. Oh. oh, that's fun. And, um, and Chris Hemsworth. Thor. Oh, Thor, wow. is, Thor is coming to C2E2. That's crazy. Think he'll take his shirt off and make us all feel inadequate? Or? Yes. Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I would. If I had that body, I, I, would, I, would, never I would, would never wear a shirt. I would never wear a shirt. Yeah. This, this, awesome. this show's taking a turn. Tickets are available at C2E2.com. You can buy, if you buy them before March 14th, you get the whole weekend for just $50. And C2E2 in downtown Chicago. You can find out more at C2E2.com, which is a great mm-hmm. show. And we'll all be there, all three of us, for once. No. Yes, not, not Mike, but Josh. Not Mike. Josh will be there. It's, so it's, it's just so close to WonderCon. So it's it, yeah. It's, it's you don't brutal. have to tell us that, Mike. We're going to be so Connor and I are going to be at Emerald City next. Jesus, next weekend. Is it next weekend? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then two weeks after that, we're going to be at C two E two. And then two weeks after that, Connor and I will be at Wonder, and Mike will be at WonderCon. And you'll just hold your liver in a suitcase. <laughs> and if you if you're <laughs> interested, if you're, on, if you're interested in any of those uh, shows, stay tuned to the end of the show. We're going to talk more about what we're doing at those shows and that sort of yep. thing. But. So, um, but now is the moment I've been waiting for all week. The inf- infestation report: Star Trek Infestation Number Two ended the little two-issue mini, and well, there's two things of note in this story. And if we remember last time, we last left the crew of the Enterprise, or well, just the main three guys, they were holed up in a building as the zombie hordes were attacking outside, and all of their red shirts were had been eaten. And in this issue, they're trying to fashion weapons and figure out. Um, they find a guy. In, they, they find a, some sort of weird retro computer that talks and walks, and they. It's it's the yub yub guy from Star Wars. Or, or, <laughs> you, you read this right, Mike? Okay, so yeah, yeah. Remember they, that guy, Star Wars? He, yeah, he tells them how to, what happened. They try and Bones starts to fashion a cure, and in the middle of that, a vampire, the, one of the vampire chicks from the whole story, that one that unleashed the virus, shows up, and she's hot. So Kirk's like, "Hello." Yeah. And, and he's Bo- like, Bones even rolls his eyes at one which, point. Which is in the uh, best week panels, which was fantastic. Yeah. Kirk's like, I got this. Don't worry about it, Bones. And he goes to talk to her. <laughs> she, of course, smacks him around, um, which she probably likes. And so then Bones figures out a cure. 
uh, <laughs> and with, a, with an old-fashioned sort of like dart gun, uh, which is confusing to them because you know they don't have guns-shaped guns in Star Trek. So they're like, "What did you make? Some kind of torture device? It just looks like a paintball gun." Yeah. And uh, so they start shooting the zombies with them, and they figure out how to air- to weaponize it, aerosol. But that's 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 the weird thing. The weird thing is after they cure everyone, the cure doesn't fix their bodies, which have been rotting. So all yeah. these people are not zombies anymore. They're back alive, but their bodies are half rotted away. They're sort of these very talkative zombie-looking people. And they're like, it's cool. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just happy to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, 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 they apologize to the red shirts, and they tell them, listen, we can't bring you back on the ship because – you know, you know, know, know we don't know. If, we don't know if you'll rezombify. So you guys stay down here in your rotting bodies. Jeez. They're like, we understand. Well, they had to declare General Order Seven. For yeah. the Star Trek nerds out there, that's a very big deal. <laughs> and it and it and it even ends with like this. Uh, you can almost hear the music at the end of it, where they're like, you know, I think these. I think maybe this experience is Williams reconsidering whether his robots aren't human enough. You know, it's like the they have that little moral at the yeah, end. The lesson, yeah, yeah, that's good. They they need that. So <laughs> everybody's head is a little big yeah. because I think of the the, the photo referencing to get the the detail right. right. So everybody's kind of like weeble wobble heads, but otherwise it was good. I liked it. I did, I've never read one of the Star Trek comics before this. No, it was really but fun. I actually really <laughs> enjoyed it. I gotta the, say the dialogue was sort of spot on. Um, Am I the only one reading Morning Glories? No, I'm reading. No, it. I'm reading I'm issues. Yeah. I thought this um, this was a great issue. Yeah, it was. It was really good. And Don't the the, me out, man. the twist. We, we this is a focus on the cheerleader, the bitchy cheerleader character, and uh, the, there's a twist. I don't want to necessarily ruin it for people because even though we have a spoiler warning, but something happens at the end where it, it genuinely shocks me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And it's going to now change the sort of whole dynamic, at least for the reader, because yeah. we'll know things that the other characters won't know about this character. I was really happy with this issue because it sort of brought it back to what I liked about the first couple of issues, where it's about we're back in the school until it's it's just how freaky the school is situation. Yeah. I still go back and forth with the art, like sometimes it's really good, and then sometimes I'm just like, oh, that head's really big. <laughs> I got to thing about big heads, but um, and like she's doing cheerleading, and her no one's leg can do what she's doing there, yeah. but it's it's but it's they a, should. It's, but 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 they should maybe at this school, but yeah, it was a it was really nice. And again, I, I mean, this guy's Nick Spencer is just great. He's he's really got some good ideas and good characterization and really good dialogue. Yep, it's just great. Yeah, it's really good. It looks, yeah. it looks like this 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 second arc is focusing on individual characters. If you look at the next issue, the the cover is the the redheaded kid, and so, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's what happened in the last issue too. So yeah. yeah. So, um, so New York Five number two came out by Brian Wood and Ryan Kelly. Mike, you're reading this, right? Yeah, absolutely. How it's, fucking good is Ryan Kelly? It's it's, he's, it's criminal. It's criminal. Scary. He's yeah. scary. It's like Connor. Are you reading this, or yes, of course. Oh wow. Okay. I love I, New York I mean, Four. Yeah. I couldn't believe. Look at these brownstones. I mean, yeah. I can't, this guy must never sleep. I know <laughs> he has a lot of hats, but he doesn't. He doesn't sleep. Every, um, pa- every panel is just packed full of detail. No, packed full of detail. Not even like like when when it, it cuts to the scene towards the end when when uh, the main girl goes to see her sister's band play at the Mercury Lounge. Yeah. That panel, like that is like we were just there the other night. That that's standing on Houston Street, uh, looking at the Mercury Lounge and that yep. weird building next to it, and like they, yep. he nailed it. Just like like part. I mean, admittedly, I'm biased because we're from New York, and uh, you know, Connor, you and I are from New York, and and I lived you, there. I know you did right. You did live there. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I, I used to go to that one where the poetry reading is. Yeah. That's- yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, and so, like, you know, when you have a bit of a emotional affinity for the city, you get all excited when you see like the the yeah. cube and Astor Place and stuff like that. But like, it, this it, it, this is like why, like uh, no, as I was reading this, I'm like, this remi- this is why I watch Gossip Girl, and this <laughs> makes me wish there was a sh- this was a TV show. Yeah, yeah, it would be a good, it would be a great TV show. The only my only problem with it is it makes me really miss New York. Yeah, because it's sort of the Scott Pilgrimification of New, uh, of New York, where it gives all those little comments and stuff. Yeah, and it's like uh, it's really rough. It's like I, I know how cool it is there. I mean, it is like idealized New York. Oh, I mean, totally. you can't totally. smell yes, anything yeah. in these pages. Well, I did, <laughs> I did laugh at the alternate side of the parking, uh, alternate side parking uh, joke. That <laughs> yeah. was that was funny. That was that that made me laugh. I still have flashbacks having to move my car. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little worried that they're stretching themselves a little too thin for. The, I'm really worried that this is only four issues. Right, yeah, like, it's really like, too the story bad. Going, yeah, like yeah. I mean, we're 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 going into three or four different characters, and it's like I want to keep reading it. Yeah, 
I'm not so much invested in the story as I am just the art, the Ryan. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm probably I'm probably like at this point I'm probably like sixty forty art to story. Um, you know, like I do enjoy the story, I do like the characters, but the art, like what just overwhelmed me about this was the art was just um, amazing. Yeah. So. And, and and if and if you're a guy and you want to know how not to be, read yes. this so you can be such a dick like this guy is. And, and they, call, they call it out in the little in the little text box. They're like he's the worst guy in, in New York City. And, <laughs> yeah. But so it's um, just a good good book, great cover too. Yeah. So um so Savage Dragon number one sixty nine um is the aftermath issue of the Emperor Dragon storyline, and as I predicted, it's now going to focus on Malcolm on, on Dragon's kid. Um and this was a really great episode, really focusing on, uh, episode, really great issue, really focusing in on him and kind of where he's going to go in his life now. Um, and, and Dragon is dead, and I don't think he's coming back, which is wow. ballsy and great, and that's why Larson rules. So, well, congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. So right. um, so now's the time for us to tear apart Captain America number 615. <laughs> Was I, it really, really bad? Yes. Because I, I, I've been so bored by everything, and it looks pretty as I flip through it. But it looks please pretty, tell me, it looks tell me pretty, what I'm missing. It looks pretty at moments. It's, yeah, because there's three inkers. There's three inkers depending on who inking is inking what. Yeah, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, chameleon-esque art of Butch Geis and three inkers, exactly. Mm. Um, and one of, the, one of those inkers is Butch Geis. So, yeah. um, but, so like, don't get me wrong. So it opens up you know, with the, the action sequence of you know, Sin um, threatening to blow up the Statue of Liberty. And I thought the action sequence was great. Yep. That yeah. was that was really really good, but then we go we get back into the courtroom. Yeah, come on. And where he's wearing his turtleneck and the blazer, like it's the seventies. I really love how this book is so seventies. It's amazing. Yeah. But um, that's got to be on purpose, right? I mean, it's got to be. I guess, yeah. But um, he's gonna go get in his car with Mannix and go. Fight crime after yeah, this. Exactly, but then then we we get the whole thing in the courtroom, the closing arguments, and the and the the prosecuting attorney saying, you know, who, you know, he wants to hold him accountable for all superheroes, you know, yeah. and, and and Bucky goes, no, he's right, I'm changing my plea, and changes his plea to guilty, and so then the judge is like, okay, well, I'm sentencing you to 20 years of time served, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's like you know, you may not deserve to wear the Captain America uniform, but you don't deserve to be in jail. It's like really, and like at that point, I already was groaning, and then not. M- Two panels go by, then some Russian dude shows up to extradite Bucky to be imprisoned because he's already been held on trial in Russia. And I was like, oh my god, another trial. Are you like, kidding me? Something else, like, really, another, again? Like, uh. this, uh, The sad thing about Captain America is, as I was thinking about it, because the cover is really illustrative, is yes. previously to, to the death of Steve Rogers, we had Winter Soldier and we had Captain America. We had yep. two right. great characters. Yep. And then we lost Captain America and we had Bucky Cap. Yep. And then Captain America came back as Captain Steve. So we have Bucky Cap and Captain Steve, two kind of okay, mediocre characters, where once we had two great characters, yep. we've diminished them both by making them different. Yep. Their strengths, Winter Soldier was an awesome character. Remember we used to gush over Winter Soldier, yep. how cool he was? Yep. Remember that, that single issue that yeah. they had yeah, one so Steve so is, good. of course, one of the great characters. And, and now you've just diminished them by making them less than yeah. what they were. Well, before. it's like Steve's become the sort of pencil, the paper pusher. Oh, yeah, he's the holier-than-thou so, person, especially between, yeah. like, what happened in Avengers this week with the Infinity Gems. Like, I feel like yeah. Steve oh. is always, like, looking down at everyone, and it's like... Totally. It's, it's, it's kind of like when you when you have the after-school job, and your buddy gets promoted to night manager, and he's just like, come on, guys, can we just work? And you're like, <laughs> you know, like, and you just and you don't take him seriously? Like, that's the feeling I get. Like, he's trying to manage everybody, but nobody <laughs> will take him seriously. It's it's books like this that maybe go three ninety nine. Really? Yeah, it's just it's just a pa- it's a pale shadow of what Captain America once was. Yeah, it's too and, bad. And, it's honestly, a, it's sad. Think, and after reading Secret Avengers, like I think I think Brubaker's kind of over it. Yeah, I think he's tired. Yeah. of doing it. Yeah, strange. I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, it's too bad. So anyway, so those are the books that came out that we enjoyed this week. But um, you all in the iFanboy um, community read and wrote some reviews of some books as well. So we want to touch upon those. Um, Jay Dudley reviewed Ultimate Spider-Man number 154 and gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5. At the time of our recording, less than 1% of you made it your pick of the week. And Jay Dudley says, this is a well-hyped event. And yes, it uses the death of a major hero to draw sales. However, this does not feel forced at all here. In fact, the story appears to be flowing incredibly naturally, even though I truly have no idea what is about to happen. But I can and truly and honestly say that I care about what happens to these characters. Hats off to Bendis for this title. As much praise as Ultimate Spider-Man has received over the last decade plus, it's still not nearly enough. This book deserves to be the best-selling superhero book on the stand. It's unquestionably the most consistent, fantastic. The only issue, ser- this issue only serves to make that point once more. And well put, Jay Dudley. Absolutely yeah. agreed. Well um, written. My only, my only criticism of this issue is um, on the very last page in the bottom left-hand corner, it's signed La Fuente and says goodbye. What? Oh. Yeah. 
Oh my god, that's a terrible thing to read. Exactly, I was heartbroken. Heartbroken. But I mean, dude, Pacelli is killing it. Yeah, I know. I, to- I, I, no, I mean, I... Yeah. It, but uh, but that if that's really true, that's really, really too bad because uh, I feel, feel like a lot of us have uh, discovered La Fuente in this book. Yep. And... Uh, Wow, I didn't I didn't notice that until now, and I'm now uh, actively a little sad, experiencing a little sad. that loss. But that, said, that said, I think JW summed it up in that I absolutely care about every issue. Oh, yes. it's great. Yeah, it's I care about the, I care about this comic more so I think than most other comics I read. Yeah, yeah, and it, the characters are so real. The wonderful Gwen and Stacy scene. Yeah, I mean, Gwen, um, Mary Jane and, and Gwen scene. Yeah, yeah no, he's, he's right. It, it's 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 been so good for so long. People forget and doesn't get talked about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. <laughs> boop, moving on. Boop. Boomer Girl wrote about Power Girl 21, gave a story a 5 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5, and the time of recording, nobody made their pick of the week. And Boomer Girl says, while some may not like the fact this book is no longer off in its own little corner of DCU, I love how the current storyline is weaving in and out of that generation loss while not being bogged down by it. There are an amazing set of pages that take us back to a scene from the OMAC Project storyline, and we get to see Karen speaking with Ted Kord shortly before his death about what he hasn't covered. We also get a double shot of Batman as we get both Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, which culminates in Bruce who wasn't around for Max Lord's massive mind wipe, proving to Dick and Te- that Ted was murdered and didn't commit suicide as Max has made everyone believe. I highly recommend reading this book to anyone reading Generation Lost or looking for a well-written story. And I was telling this to Ron when we hung out earlier this week that this is basically another chapter of Generation Lost, but it's just in yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, Mike, do you read Yeah, what, what, what was going on is like I has, had been reading Generation Lost on the iPad, just doing it digitally, and I had fallen behind, so I caught up. And I didn't realize just how interwoven the two books are. Yeah. It's a. I mean, it's cool and everything, but like they should just say in the they beginning, publicize that or lost. And yeah, it should be like they should either link the two or something on the cover, just so you know, because you you're missing a good segment of the story. Um, yeah, and this they issue, sum it up okay, but in the, in, the, in the past, Power Girl has remembered remembered Maxwell Lord, but finally she remembered him for good in the last issue of Generation Lost. In this issue, she's off trying to convince Dick Grayson that that. Um, Maxwell Lord exists and Ted Core didn't commit suicide. So we go through all that thing and there's a nice scene where the flashback. But the funny thing for me was Bruce shows up as he just yeah. appear, he just appears out of the shadows in the Batcave. And there's a scene of him and Dick doing an autopsy on Ted Kord's exhumed body and they're both standing there in a cape and cowl. I was like, too many Batman. <laughs> too many Batman. It just looked a little funny. It's like it looks funny. I, I saw this footage of Daft Punk at a, at a show and then they stood on stage and I realized, well, those guys are just dressed up like robots. You know, what I mean, it's like it's better when there's a little bit more mystery and you didn't see them. And like to see both Batman's just sort of standing in the same room at the same time, you're like, they're just kind of in costume. It can just you, can you tell the difference between them? Oh yeah, yeah. The, there's a key difference. Bruce has a bigger chin, <laughs> and Batman's costume has little lining on the front. Next, no, to but there's just two pages. We only see their heads, and the only way to tell oh, the difference yeah, is that big. Dick's got bigger eyes. That Bat- Bruce's slits are so smaller, but it's just. It's, it's I love, is that a euphemism? Bruce's slits are smaller. <laughs> the concept, the concept is, is great. I think, but Bruce needs to stay away because when they're in the room together, it's kind of comical, and, it, yeah. and it's not supposed to be. Yeah. It's it just really a little nasty. bit. Is there, is there, is the insignia on their chest different? Yeah, Bruce has the yellow, and Dick just has the bat. Okay, but there's the stitching too. Yeah, the but you could, what I'm saying is that in the in the two page headshot. Oh yeah, yeah, you, you can, could only you can see their their face. Well, you have to look at the, you have to look at the cleft of the chin. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little silly. How many Batman is too many Batman? We'll find out. Well, I think, two, I think we have our answer, to be honest with you. So, um, <laughs> so, so go to ifanboy.com slash comics, and there you do your pull list, and you can come back and rate and review the books after you've read them. And if you need a fix for some more comics, why not check out the wonderful world of digital comics and uh, check out Graphically. As everyone knows, um, ifanboy is part of, uh, of the digital comics company called Graphically. Um, but did you know that Graphically's got over 2,000 comics for you to download and read um, with publishers like Marvel, Arkea, Boom, Top Cow, Archie, and more being added every day um, you can read comics on your iPhone your iPad we just released the Android app this past week um, so Android users now can rejoice and read comics on their phone on your phone or on your Android tablet a um, lot of cool stuff is coming from graphically and we just you know we want to make sure everyone is aware of it so uh, so go to graphically.com sign up uh, sign up for an account and start reading comics today and don't miss out on a thing um, so on to the email our first email comes from John from Buffalo New York who says I have a strange question for you that your opinions can help answer I've not been a reader of The Walking Dead but I finally got to watch the six part first season of the TV adaptation loved it so I want more Here's my dilemma. I enjoyed the show immensely, and I'm tempted to pick up the trades and get caught up. At the same time, I thoroughly enjoyed the experiences and the twists and surprises that the show created, and wonder if the comic will ruin any of the fun I had watching the series. I imagine that it is following rather closely. Or is it? 
Do I read the trades and know what's coming in the series or enjoy the series as it comes and wait until the series ends or falls apart until I return to the trades? Read the trades. Yeah. Well, he enjoyed I mean, the twists and surprises, and so did we, because they were completely different. Yeah, they're totally different. And, and you know what? The thing is, you're going to be waiting so long for the Walking Dead thing to come out. Um, you know, they're not even in production yet. Um, and so yeah, you might as well read the doesn't come out until October again. Yeah, October. Yeah, and the thing, the thing about it is, and we, we you know, if you go back and watch our inter- our multiple interviews with Robert Kirkman <laughs> at New York Comic Con or San Diego, he clarifies that while they're following the main arc of the books into the TV show, it's not a direct adaptation like The Watchmen was to uh, as a movie from the comic to a movie. Like what they're doing is they're taking little you know detours left and right where they see fit on the TV show, and anybody who read the books and watch this, the first season knows that there's a whole chunk of the TV show that was, was never in the comics. Yeah. And I'd say at least it, half of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. The second half. Yeah. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be denying yourself some really sweet nightmares yeah. if you uh, don't read those trades. <laughs> so, I mean, so like read the trades, enjoy it. You'll get your Walking yeah. Dead fix but until October comes and then, and then you could join the rest of us and ooh and ah over the differences and bitch and moan on the boards. Yeah. So. You can really snark with authority. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. don't don't not, That's my whole thing about this and, and Mike, we talk about this a lot and stuff like, like don't deny yourself enjoyment of any medium yeah life's too short yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so if you want to check something out go check it out don't wait you know so andy f- from parts unknown writes and says with the news of casting for the new superman movie and a terrible jms run on superman book it got me wondering why superman is such a difficult character to do well what are, what are the criteria to tell a great superman story and finally what stories from the comics do you think will be used as inspiration for the new film thank you uh, I, I, I would assume probably nothing will be used as inspiration from the comics. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, uh, you better hope not. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I know that this is, a, this is a topic near and dear to Mike's heart. Mike, why, yeah. why is Superman such a hard character? You know, I was in the shower thinking about this question. And uh, <laughs> now the thing is, like, I love it when – I think the Superman stories that fail are when Superman has to overcome some other being that's really strong and that nobody else can fight. Right. I feel like when Superman uses his powers to solve problems, that's when the stories get really, really good. And I, I feel like sometimes writers think, Oh, well, what's the one threat that will, will definitely beat Superman. Right. And I don't think that's what Superman's about at all. Superman is about this, this person that loves humanity and is, it is, he is, he, he is he embodies what what is great about humanity, and I think the really good Superman writers understand this, and they make it less about his superhero powers and more about his wanting to be more human or how to identify with his friends and all his great relationships. I was just talking to Connor earlier this week, like about Superman Batman, and I just can't get enough of the relationship between the two. It's got nothing to do with their powers, yep. but uh, it's it's got all about he. He's trying to serve his adopted home in a way that only he can. And I think when you – like that's why I've been disappointed with even with that JMS, that Earth, that alternate reality Superman where when it just turned into this big battle sequence. Yeah. It, it's like so what? Everybody's, everybody knows that Superman will eventually win a big battle and that's not the point of Superman. I, I mean for me it's like he, there's an inherent kindness to Superman – when he deals with things, he's so beyond what a mortal is that he can take the longer view of how uh, actions have their implications and how he thinks of a human life. And for me, that's where Superman gets really special. And, and his, his wanting to be with Lois. Like, I think it was a lot of fun when he, Lois and him weren't together because he, needed, he wanted something. He needed someone but he couldn't have it. And here's he's Superman. He can have he can do whatever he wants to do. He can go eat lunch on Mars, right? But he can't have this relationship. So I think when you make things too much about Superman's powers, I think that's when a Superman story loses its luster. But I'm just monologuing. What do you think, Connor? I'm just I was, monologuing. I was just saying this is the Superman according to Mike Romo. I think that's <laughs> well. It's like, and also, if he's if he has too much navel gazing about all of his pressures and all of his problems, then he becomes totally unsympathetic. And that's why I felt like this JMS run really cheapened what Superman was all about. Superman does not walk around complaining about how tough life is, right? Yeah. He, he's there to, to really celebrate all of humanity. So He flies around the globe and spins it backwards until all the problems are solved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. And I also like Wait, that. doesn't work that, with physics. <laughs> I, like, I like that he also has to use restraint. Like yeah. that he can do so much, but he, he's – can you imagine what it would be like to be like Clark and, not, and have to learn how to modulate – your powers, so you don't like 
throw things across the room or, or rip the door off. Superman is, is a tricky character mostly because he's an icon, not just of superheroes, but of a company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's difficult for DC to tell great Superman stories because... He's their corporate symbol. Well, and, and, and that's and yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, like you know, Connor, you and I butt heads about this all the time. I find nothing compelling about Superman whatsoever. Yeah, and, and absolutely. The the only thing I find compelling about Superman are Elseworld stories or variations on or on his origin. You know, I mean, like Superman, yeah. Superman for all seasons. I'll read till the cows totally. come home. The you know Mark Miller Russian Superman. I'll read that all the time. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, but like ongoing stories in action comics or Superman or whatever, like, I just don't care. Like, it's never, it's never interested me. Yep. So, yeah. It's yeah. A tricky, he's a tricky character, and it's because he's the most powerful hero and because he's a corporate icon. And there's a lot of reasons why it's hard to tell stories about. And uh, they're not, I don't think they're going to use any stories from the comics. This is a story Nolan came up with himself. Also, I just finally got to read the EW article about uh, Henry Cavill. 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 And uh, I have concerns. Not about him, but about the whole film now. I'm reading. <laughs> oh, really? I, lo- I just yeah. love that statement. I have concerns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, have t- concerns. it's tough. I mean, he is clearly that one. Not of about him at all. It's, it's, it's the, yeah. the, the, the quotes from the Zack Snyder and the people behind it. Yeah. So, no, it's too bad. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, but, it, but you know what? It's like the Peter Gruber. We're going to make him, you know, modern. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Don't do that. But if you do want some, there's some really great Superman Batman stories, and you get to really see uh, Superman. In a, in a different light. I, I agree with you, Ron, that the ongoing Superman title has been very, very difficult. Even when it's good, it's just like, it always seems like the alternate takes are a little bit more interesting. Yeah. And I think, and honestly, I think you... I, I th- film, I mean, it just depends. It's an alternate take. It's a more... Yeah, yeah. I love small there's, there's almost more freedom in the alternate take because you can mess with the corporate icon because it's not the quote-unquote right. real take. And, and I think Mike totally hit the nail on the head in that, in that you know, and we, and we talked about this on our video show this past week with rela- the relationships in comics, is that, you know, you take away the wanting of Lois and you, the character, there's nothing human left in Superman anymore. He can do anything. He has everything. It's, he's perfect. He wins. George Clooney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Really, honestly. So, um, very interesting, interesting conundrum there with the with the, the most iconic, the the hero that started it all is also the one that is ruining it at the same time. Wow. So, if you have a question, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. We'd love to hear from you. We also love to get voicemails from you, but we're not doing any voicemails this week because, as you can tell, we've been uh, had a lot to talk about this week. So, call in, leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven, and we'll get your voicemail on next week's show, maybe. Uh, no promises. Um, also, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe to iFanboy Don't Miss, uh, which is our sh- very short and sweet podcast where we talk about a comic book that's coming out this uh, this coming week. Uh, last week, we talked to Nick Spencer uh, about Iron Man 2.0, also known as War Machine. <laughs> I just totally, I just totally did a Josh there. You flew Josh in for a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, so that was great. It was always great to hear from Nick and hear what was going on with the story. It was Iron Man 2.0. We're gonna have something great, somebody great for you next week. We're still in the process of booking it, but it will be out on Monday. And uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. Don't miss, don't miss. Uh, subscribe to it in iTunes today. Lots of you haven't yet, and so I'm gonna keep harping on it until all of you subscribe to it. So <laughs> uh, we have a special edition show about All Star Superman, which. Andy will find interesting, perhaps, if uh, it's the the next cartoon movie from DC. It's the adaption of the Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly story. It's uh, I talked to with Chris Neesman and Ryan Haupt and Paul Montgomery. We talked about also Superman for about thirty five minutes. Actually, we delved into the character itself. There's a whole section in the middle of talking about the character and, and what, how we see Superman. So this is very interesting. If you're a Superman fan, you should check it out. Um, that's behind this show in the feed. So if you're if you're or you can find that on the website. It's all over the place. You can just yeah. go and find it. And as Ron alluded to earlier, we're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con next week. Yes. So we are going to be in Seattle. Connor and I will be there at the show. We're very excited. Um, for the we're uh, we're going to put a post up on the site right about mm-hmm. yes we will like yeah. Uh, so for the, for those of you who don't know, there's a there's a pretty cool uh, live art party that's going to be happening Friday night that uh, fanboy staff writer Molly McIsaac pulled together. Um, so you definitely want to check that out. We'll probably be hitting that party. Um, but we will be at the con all three. Days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, when we're not uh, searching for good food, um, <laughs> mm. and we'll be doing interviews and that sort of thing. So if you see us, come say hi. Um, you know, we're going to be bouncing around uh, all over Seattle. So definitely, it's always great to see. We we know there's a lot of folks from the iFan base up in Seattle, so it'll be always great to see everybody. Um, yeah, so and it's a small enough show that there's a good chance you'll see us. Um, I just and, hope it's not as crowded as it was last time. Yeah, exactly. Well, three days. Hopefully, it'll be a little more spaced out. And and while we're not doing like an official meetup or anything like that, we're going to be at that live art party. So if you want to see us, that's the best. That's the best place to come say hi so um, yeah. uh, definitely do that and then after 
Kirk, Emerald City Comic Con. Two weeks after that, we're going to be in Chicago for C2E2. Um, we will be there. There will be a booth like we had last year, so you can come say hi to us there. Um, and we'll be posting information about what we'll be doing um, in Chicago as it gets closer. And then um, two weeks after that, April 1st to the 3rd, will be WonderCon, where Connor and I will be attending. We'll be um, releasing information as the weeks into March progress as to what the social functions will be. And trust me, there are social functions, and they're going to be awesome. So um, I'm already tired. Yes, I'm, just, I'm, th- I'm thinking about it already. Yeah. So, um, oh, but the great thing about WonderCon, which we can announce, um, well, a couple of things. So, uh, Emerald City will just be there shooting, doing interviews, and walking around. We're not, we're not on any panels or anything like that. But in C2E2, uh, there are two panels where you can come see us. They're both on Friday, I believe. Um, Friday afternoon, I'm moderating the uh, Food and Comics panel with uh, CB Sabolsky from Marvel and Rick. The Bailey. biggest scam of modern times. Yeah, exactly. Oh my! Do you talk about the food in the comics? Is that no, what's going well, on? I, I think we're going to be talking about like the the creativity in cooking as well as in comic making and like how you know do <laughs> chefs tell a story you know I don't want to ruin it so yeah but, um, but there'll be food there that's there will the be food problem. at the panel so that's a big right. thing so if you're a Rick Bayless fan you definitely want to go but then also there's going to be a comics podcasting panel which is always a barrel of monkeys and that's I think Friday night as well in Chicago <laughs> but then um, in WonderCon uh Mike is going to join Connor and I on a panel, uh, probably Scary. the most epic panel there is. It's uh, called iFanboy vs. Comics Alliance, where we're going to be squaring off against those evildoers over a Comics Alliance, and it's going to be moderated by our good friend Agent M or Ryan uh, Panagos oh, really? from Marvel. So it's going to be a lot of fun, yeah. So, uh, definitely we're gonna gonna Are we going to actually fight them? Yeah, we yeah, might. Yeah, we might. No, there's, there's going to be there's going to be physical challenges. There's going to be mental challenges. We, Mike, we might need you to do a stand-up uh, a monologue for a couple of minutes. Yeah, After so. A couple sonnets. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> It's going to be a fun time. I'm really excited about this batch of cons, so make sure you make it out to Seattle, Chicago, or San Francisco. So, And in the meantime, go to ifanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review. You can read all kinds of great stuff. Mike writes a column every Tuesday. We had Stack Week this past week. We all talked about our secret shame of stacks that we had in our mm-hmm. house, except for me, who I have no stack. <laughs> um, I was very proud of that one. Uh, yeah. you can, all the important news goes up there, all the discussion topics. There's a very vibrant and active community at ifanboy. Go check it out there. And Word Balloon, also the podcast that John Suntress does. We also have that on iFanboy. You can find all kinds of great shows if you like more comics podcasts. In addition to that, we have our weekly video show. Last week, as Ron said, we did a relationship show. We talked about the relationships in comics, the ones that are our favorites, the ones we like, the ones that are interesting, the ones that are fun. And next week, we're looking at comic book events, those things you love to hate but secretly really just love. Yep. Um, hopefully we'll have that show next and week. And hopefully people, uh, yeah, we will. Positive thinking. And hopefully everyone liked the relationship show. I, I, I edited that so it was close to my heart, but I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was the outtakes made me laugh heartily. The outtakes are great. So. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's good. So, um, but as I mentioned, you can get in touch with us by emailing us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Always good to hear from you. And if you dig us, if you dig the guys, write a review in iTunes. It's very easy to do. You can do the whole five stars like I did long ago. Or better yet, tell your friends about us and introduce your mom to podcasts. Moms love it when you call them and and give them ideas. Spread the iFanboy word, and the word is iFanboy. What you should do is when your mom calls and asks, you know, when is she going to be a grandmother? You tell, turn it around on her and say, why don't you listen to this when, podcast? When are you going to listen? When are you going to read? Ever, when, are, when are you ever going to read one of my articles, mom? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sad because it's true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Anyway. And not a single person in my family watches our show, listens to anything. It's amazing. Oh, nobody, not, not even, not even any of my friends. Like, and I have a yeah. lot of like comic book friends. And, like, and like I go, I go into the store on Wednesday. I'm like, oh, and like, oh, did you did you watch the video show last week? And they just look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, oh well. <laughs> That's just sad. Yeah, I know. That's why we love the audience, the iFan base, because you're yeah, more important yeah, yeah, than yeah. our true friends. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, really. So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the thank show. You. We really appreciate Thanks, filling in for the, the, the slacker, Josh. Really um, happy to be here. But um, counting the days until WonderCon where we get to see you again. So. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm a little scared. WonderCon is, is a tough one. It's so fun. <laughs> it's like there is a con, but it's the nighttime. Yes. It's, it's definitely, it's, there's definitely a, a, a bar, uh, after con kind of vibe to it that gets you. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. All right, well, I'm about to pass out, so let's wrap this up. Yep. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Mike. He is Mike. I am Mike all, all day, all night. Do